0: All right, DJ, we're here, but we're not actually here.
1: Yes, this is the first time we've uh, done a podcast not together in the same room, which is crazy because most podcasts you hear, maybe not most of them, but a lot of them are people in different
0: studios in different rooms and stuff. Yeah, it's kind of wild. We're, uh, we're lucky in the sense that we live, what, like 10 minutes away from each other? Yes, yes. So that's awesome. Uh, we, ha- we promised the people that we'd put out an episode every single Friday um, when did, when do we make that promise? Like, five, well,
1: six we came ago? back. Yeah, we came back after the like Christmas hiatus that we took. Yeah. So we're not ready to break that
0: promise. Although, uh, there was a kink thrown in the plans yesterday. Uh, we had a show planned for yesterday. I don't know what were we were going to do, like a Oscar show. We were kind of up and no, down. It what we were was, do.
1: it was eerie because the thing that we, I thought we'd settled on was, uh, we were going to do an episode called who's a good man, and we were just going to bring in all of our dogs because my parents have two dogs. I was going to go kidnap them from them, and uh, we were going to have your two little pups there, and we were going to just put a bunch of dogs in the mix and see what happens. Happened, I should say.
0: Well, the kink that was thrown in the plans was that my two dogs became my one dog yesterday, which was a huge bummer. Um, My pup died yesterday morning, uh, like super early. Uh, and that was really really a bummer. Um so yeah, so we're recording on Friday morning. This podcast will probably come out a little later than the Friday mm-hmm. shows uh, typically do. But uh this is going to get real weird uh because it's a last second uh last ditch attempt to put together an episode. Well, um, and, and you did some fun things.
1: Yeah, I'll I mean, you're you're grieving, which I mean, quickly there is nothing fucking worse than losing a dog. And I, I mean, I've lost people in my <laughs> life. And I, it's, I it's, it's, it's not that there's nothing worse, but it's just such a, if you've never experienced it, there's no way of, of describing it. It's, it's such a, it's fucking painful.
0: Yeah, it's really awful. It's especially this was like, Nala was the best dog that I ever owned. And that Ugh. really sucks. Like she was almost a perfect pet. She was the best um so yeah such was, a tall dog yeah a very she, tall dog yeah german shepherd she was pretty large um and that's probably like a big reason why why she died yesterday is you know german shepherds don't really have very long lifespans um typically compared to other dogs and uh it was super unexpected yesterday like she was fine on thursday or uh, on wednesday so that was Ugh. super super unexpected yesterday morning it was a huge bummer yeah um so like I woke up I woke up yesterday or my mom woke me up yesterday morning at like six AM and you could tell like I could tell right away that like something was wrong. And so um she had my dog had been acting like really really like weird and disoriented through the night. Um and she's she's like she was nine, so like she had some episodes where it was like, What the hell's wrong with you? You're senile or something? But like mm. She would always kind of snap out of it. And um, so yesterday morning, my mom had let her outside at like 6 a.m. because she was like acting all weird. Um, and as soon as she got outside, she kind of just like collapsed and it was raining out. So like it was like this. It was such a super sad scene outside oh. of my house. It was just my dog laying down. You could tell that she was, there was something wrong and it was just like raining on her. And I was like, oh, oh this is the worst. Um, so I could tell that something was wrong, like almost immediately. Um, and then we brought her in, actually we had to, we had to carry her in because she couldn't stand up after she collapsed outside. So we, we carried her in, uh, into my kitchen and like she was breathing super heavily, heavily and uh, like her, her eyes, like it was such a blank stare. Ugh. Um, it like, we almost knew almost immediately that she was dying. Um, so that was really tough. And, uh, like the vet that we usually go to that we usually bring her to didn't open till 10 a.m. And this was like 7 a.m. at the time. So we were like, fuck, there is no way that she was going to make it. And um, uh, so my mom had called the vet and they were like, "Uh, yeah, we don't, the, we don't open until 10 a.m., but somebody will be in the office at 730. Just bring her at 730. Um, so we like, we had to carry her in the car and like, we could tell that like time was running out and she ended up dying in the car on the way to the ho- on the way to the vet, which was a huge bummer. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was tough. Swear to God, I'm crying right now. <laughs> yeah. That was the most, that was the worst fucking story I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, it was really brutal. I, I was in the backseat of the car, um, with her, uh, as we were driving to the vet and like she was, you could tell she was like, You could tell that, she like like I said, time was running out. And she ended up, like, she loves my mom. My mom is like her favorite, obviously. (laughs) Um, So she actually, she was like in the backseat of the car and she made like a really strong effort to put her head on the center console, um, like next to my mom. Ugh. Uh, And so she put her head there and like, I was looking at her and she was looking up at my mom while my mom was driving and she was just like staring at her and I'm pretty sure like she ended up dying like a few seconds later and so she was looking at my mom when she died.
1: Jesus fuck. And you you know that she knew that those were like her last seconds too. Yeah, for and, sure. And there's something, I mean dogs, you've obviously heard the man's best friend expression, but they're just like fiercely loyal, fiercely like devoted to their master. And yeah, the thing the thing about like dogs
0: dying is that sometimes it hurts more than people dying because It seriously does. Because, like I wasn't kidding. Because dogs never do anything wrong. Yeah. Like, they'll like shit on the carpet every now and then, but like well, other than be- that, they won't betray you very much.
1: And also like you love them so much that you're often willing to uh over you- you're willing to uh, to bend the rules on what doing something wrong means. Like, like if I came into your house and took a shit on your carpet, then that would probably be it for yeah. For I don't a like you that much for right. Then, sure. <laughs> like, it's it's totally over. Uh, but yeah, dogs like if they snap at people, if they uh, if if they bark too much, if they uh, if they defecate all over the place, you're like, yeah. But th- that was a well intentioned snap, you know. Um, <laughs> and
0: the dogs are usually way cuter than you too. So right. So they can get away with shitting on the carpet. Um, yeah, it's like it's like uh, it's almost like the same as dogs and and small children. Like small children don't know any better. Small children yeah. are super
1: innocent, and and dogs are kind of the same way. Last time um, I lost a dog, it was I had to stop by my parents uh, just before I went uh, camping and whitewater rafting for three days because they were going to take him in or take her in like late, like in like an hour or two. And when I went there, I expected my parents to be there because it was the summer and uh, it was a weekend. So no one I thought would be at work. Both my parents were out. So I went in there and it was just like me and this dog who I pretty much had my middle school, high school and like college years in my life. And we just like sat there and I was bawling like a little baby and it was fucking brutal. And then I had to go camping right after. And I remember that first night of camping, I was just like, it it was one of the few times in my life that I wasn't fucking talking every three seconds. It was such a bummer. Yeah, we've had, uh,
0: my family's had like pretty bad luck with dogs over the years. Um, There was, one of our dogs got actually hit by a car as like a puppy. So that was really brutal. Um, That one and this one were probably the, the toughest um that's what my mom said she she agreed um yeah this one uh when we brought her to the vet they ended up saying that that they think that she had a tumor on her spleen which Uh was like which is i guess it's super common for german shepherds um but it was like it was undetected and like asymptomatic there's no way we could have known unless we got like super lucky about it and they think that it just burst overnight and like she just like died from internal bleeding which is like A horrible thing to to imagine your dog dying from. Um, So, yeah, that was pretty brutal. And then, like, coming home and just seeing, because I have two dogs, obviously, and Mm. and coming home and seeing, like, the other dog alone in, like, where the other, where the two dogs usually hung out, it was, that was kind of rough.
1: Yeah, Uh, they have that little, that, that kind of station over there. Yeah, with, like, they patrol. Two beds and
0: two crates, and, you know, and then looking at that and only seeing one dog was was rough. Um. Yeah, so that
1: was that was a story. Yeah, that's that is a really weird kind of sensation and dynamic. My parents have had two for a while and yeah, whenever you subtract one it you, you have, get back the other and you're like, so this is it. Yeah.
0: So this is like the this is the only time that we've ever had two dogs at once, these two dogs, and I will say that having two makes it so so much easier. Um dealing with, I mean, it's still hard when one dies, but like, yeah, but coming home to like a, a, a dog and not having a completely empty house, right, is it's so much better because I mean, my mom goes on vacation every once in a while. And like she goes hiking with both dogs. Um, so when she would leave and take both dogs, and I would be here, um, like all alone, It's so it's so fucking weird when there's nobody in the house. Like you can't get used to that once you have a dog in the house. So I'm thankful that I already have one already. So, but I think we're gonna get another one soon.
1: Do you think that when you have a crib, you'll be a a dog owner as a young adult? Oh, for sure. Yeah, it'll be like the first thing I do when I move out. That's so fucking cool. So, like, you can you work from home a lot, so. I know a lot of people, and by that I mean I know just Ryan Lambert, who works from home a lot, so he has a dog. I guess conceivably I could potentially do it, but I I don't know why I haven't. This is gonna now I'm gonna run out and make like an impulse decision and buy like five dogs, and by the time this is posted, I'll be a crazy dog lady. (laughs) But yeah, I want a dog eventually. I just don't think I'll get one in in the immediate future. Hmm. Well, yeah, I'd let me some you. dogs though. Yes, please. Yeah, that's what we'll do. We'll we'll keep DJ's dog at, uh, at your yeah, place. We have a brunch shared dog that lives at my house. Well, do you know what Steve Buckley does?
0: Yes, he uh, he told me this story, um, or I think he might have told me the story with you um, I, during the, the the WEI yes. Holiday that, bonanza.
1: Yes, that's right. Uh, so, in case you guys didn't listen to that show, Steve Buckley has uh, joint custody of some dogs with his neighbor. And they just have a uh, fence with a gate. And I think it's two Chocolate Labs. It might be three. And uh, they just they work it out. And the dogs are never alone. They're always at, at either Buck's or his neighbors. And they're the best dogs in the world. And... Fuck! Like I, I want some yeah, sort of deal dope like Dope as
0: hell! Like
1: I think the way that he said it was that,
0: almost like the same way that 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 we were talking about earlier is like, like when they see that one is dying, they get another one so that yeah, none of the dogs are ever alone, which is cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, so this you want was, to? Uh, yeah. yeah. This was this was this was good and and uh, hopefully therapeutic for you. It was for me, which it wasn't even like. I mean, I I, I obviously uh, loved Nala, but I, I didn't think I was this this was gonna hit me the way it did. Just talking about dogs and dying dogs is, yeah. I'm, um, I'm just glad that I didn't break down. <laughs> well, it probably, uh, probably
0: helps that I've had to tell the story to like a bunch of people over the past day or so. Well,
1: that's the, earlier. I, I, I'm not kidding when you were like taking it from. We first noticed something's wrong to that the, it was raining on on this poor dog to the dog looked up like i actually i, I wasn 't kidding i i was I was weeping
0: over yeah. here. aside from like aside from like the actual my dog is dead aspect like seeing her laying down outside in the pouring rain and like not be able to get herself up was probably the saddest part of yesterday yeah that's that is a bummer and a half and that 's a huge hit when you it's the first thing you see when you wake up yeah you're not prepared for that whatsoever uh, uh. but i will say that like i'm i'm really thankful that it happened the way that it did like obviously it's never great when your dog dies but like the situation was could have been a lot worse um like if if it had happened when i was home alone and my mom was at work like that would have fucking yeah. sucked um so we were both home um she didn't suffer for like very long, which was really, really good. Um, she w- they said that she like wasn't in pain during when she had the tumor, like she wouldn't have even known. Um, and then also, we didn't have to make the decision to to put her down once we got her to the vet, which was probably what would have had to happen. Um, yeah. So that's always like like the worst nightmare for a, for a dog owner. Yes, to have to make that call to, to, to end your dog's life. So, really glad that that didn't have to happen because that would have like fucking broken my mom. So,
1: yeah. Ugh. Man. All right. Debbie well, Downer Brunch episode. Right. Uh now we're going to move on to the dead people section and then <laughs> and then we're going to talk about the future of America and um yeah, so uh I'm going to we'll, we'll we'll play the music and then uh i'm gonna it's it's not filler but i'm gonna i'll 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 take us the rest of the way um in weird fashion in in weird fashion because let's face it uh i don't i don't think this podcast was built for one of us to do without <laughs> the other yeah i think that, not. that we'll we'll probably learn quickly that uh <laughs> that the bottom falls out of it so when, when we
0: were trying us. to figure out what we were gonna do um I thought that when you came up with this idea, I thought the plan was that I was going to record this part by myself and then send it to you. And then you would record your part by yourself and then we'd splice them together. But like an sync album. Yeah. And so you had the, you know, you insisted that we did this part like together, even if we weren't in the studio. And that was definitely a good call for sure. Like this would have been probably like a three minute thing. Of, of me talking about my dog, and I probably would have cried. And I was gonna weird. say,
1: and then you would have been the one that cried. Yep, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, the, p- brunch is about talking, and uh, when we go through tough times, you know, have someone to talk to, even if it's an asshole like me. Um, but yeah, so we'll play the music. Uh, Pete, you are uh, you you are free to go and grieve and do do whatever you yeah. must do uh shouts out uh, of course to nala a very 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 good dog all right best wishes to pete and his family uh as they go through the uh very difficult painful time of of losing a dog uh as i said i've been through it many times and it blows and it never gets any easier. So uh, Pete, understandably, so is taking some time to to think about Nala and uh, and all the the bitching times they had. So yeah, just just me, just Deej. Um, at first, I was just gonna kind of talk and do and just kind of do what Pete and I do without Pete. But when you don't have someone to bounce that off of, it can sound like shit. So then I was like, maybe I'll like sing a song or something. But Uh, Pete's had a rough enough week. I don't want him to listen to this and then have to to hear my my singing. So um, I decided I would do something that is up my alley, that is up Pete's alley, uh, and that can hopefully put a smile on everyone's faces as the brunch family takes a bit of a hit here. And that is, of course, uh, read a script of a Friends episode. So uh, I'm actually kind of excited to do that because... uh, I've never heard somebody just read a script by themselves. So uh, I was just scrolling through the episodes and maybe I would have gotten to a better one, but season two, the one with the baby on the bus, that's the one when Chandler and Joey have to watch Ben and they lose him and there's some of the casual homophobia that you get with friends and all it, it kind of hits all the points that, that Pete and I have discussed. On Friends, which are that it's a zany show, that it's way more homophobic than it needs to be, and uh, yeah, so that's what I'm gonna gonna do. Um, I don't know really the tone that I'm gonna take when I read it. Uh, I think I'm just gonna read it like the way I talk anyway. Like if I were to tell you a story of something that happened. So uh, yeah, I guess uh, I'll just get going here. So all right, so the the episode is. Uh, the one with the baby on the bus, and it is written by Betsy Bournes. Um, so here we go. All right, so the scene is Monica and Rachel's. Monica, Joey, Chandler, Ross, and Ben are there. Ben is sitting in his little rocking seat. So Monica, she kicks off the dialogue in this this classic episode of Friends and says, who the Wenny Benny boy? You the Wenny, Wenny Benny Benny boy? Yes. And then Ben begins to cry. And Monica says, don't cry, don't cry. And then she says to Ross, why is he still crying? And Ross says, let me hold him for a second. There. And then Ben stops crying. And he says, huh, there we are. And Monica said, you know how she can be. She says, maybe it's me because she's pretty fucking vain. Um, narcissistic, I should say. Ross says, don't be silly. Ben loves you. He's just being Mr. Cranky Pants. Now, at this point, I don't even need to continue to read it because you know what comes next. That is, of course, Chandler says, you know, I once dated a Miss Cranky Pants. Lovely girl. Kind of moody. And Ross says, there we go. All better. And then he gives Ben back to Monica. Uh, Ben, by the way, at this point in the series, has a fucking... Does he have a bad haircut yet? I think... I'm going to have to look that up. He's... I think he's still... Yeah, I, th- I think despite being a baby, I think he already has that kind of mushroom cut where the mushroom is a little too long. Um, so let's see. So Monica says... are no, Ross says, there we go, all better. Yeah, he gives Ben back to Monica. And Monica says, there's my little boy. And then Ben starts crying again. And Chandler says, can I see something? And he takes Ben. Puts him close to Monica. Ben starts crying again. When he moves away, uh, Ben stops crying. And then he keeps doing that. And there's the laugh track going during that. And Joey, this is his fucking input into this situation. Shocker says, cool. And then Monica goes, he hates me. My nephew hates me. Ross says, come on, don't do this. And Monica says, what if my own baby hates me? Huh? What am I going to do then? And now at this point, you know that, again, narcissist Monica is going to take over because Chandler says, Monica, will you stop? This is nuts. Do you know how long it's going to be before you actually have to deal with this problem? I mean, you don't even have a boyfriend yet. And then Monica starts giving him attitude, and uh, Chandler says, Joey, she does not look fat. And at that point, uh, they play the theme song, which is I'll Be There For You by the Rembrandts. You guys know that song. Um, it played before every Friends episode, and it did one of these. Um, so once that's done, you've seen them kind of do their whole dance in the, the fountain. The scene is Monica and Rachel's. Uh, it's, it's continuing that earlier scene. Now Chandler's holding a basketball, and Monica says to Chandler, here you go, and she sets down a drink in front of him, and Chandler says, oh, hey, Monica, and he holds the ba- basketball in front of Monica, and Joey, acting like Chandler was just holding Ben, goes, wah, and then Chandler moves the ball away, and you go, goo-goo, and, I mean, poor piss-poor acting from Joey. It's just happening. Um, So then Chandler keeps moving the ball away, and then he says, wah, and like a lot of Joey jokes, we kind of got it the first time, but they run through that a few times, Uh, and Monica says, that is so funny. Let me see that a sec, and then she throws the basketball out the window, probably killing somebody because you've seen how high up their apartment is so that was pretty dangerous um so now ross starts to gurgle because despite that being a fucking weird action he's already been better than the other two male characters in this episode and joey says uh are you okay ross and Ross says, I don't know what's in this pie. And then Monica says, I don't know. It's butter, eggs, flour, lime, kiwi. Ross says, kiwi, kiwi? You said it was key lime pie. And Monica says, no, I didn't. I said kiwi lime pie. That's what makes it so special. And Ross says, you guys know this classic line. He says, that's what's going to kill me. I'm allergic to kiwi. And Monica, being a fucking know-it-all, says, no, you're not. You're allergic to lobster and peanuts. And, and Ross does this like oh, like glutteral kind of sound. And Monica says, oh, my God. And Ross says, it's definitely getting worse. And Monica says, is your tongue swelling up? And Ross says, you know that? Or my mouth is getting smaller. And this is why I like Ross. Something bad is happening to him. He's having a really bad allergic reaction. But he's still being cool enough. So I give that to him. I feel like Joey would have just been been dead already. Um, so Monica says, all right, get your coat. We're going to the hospital. And Joey asks, is he going to be Okay. Because again, this is what he's contributing to this situation, and Monica says, "Yeah, he's just gonna get a shot." And Ross, because he's a sensitive guy, he doesn't have to act all macho. He sits back down and plays up that he's afraid of shots. He says, uh, "You know, you know, it's actually getting better. It is. It is. Let's not go. Anyone for Scrabble?" Monica says, "Jacket." Now, uh, now, if Pete were here, Pete would have said something about how Monica was commanding her brother to jacket. And we would have laughed about that. Uh, I miss Pete so much. Um, Ross says, what about Ben? Now to give this point to Dave Lozo, it's been about six minutes since they've decided to go to the hospital. And Ross is just now thinking of his child. And Ross says, we can't bring a baby to the hospital. And Joey says, we'll watch him. And Ross says, I don't think so. And Joey goes, what? I have seven Catholic sisters. I've taken care of hundreds of kids. Come on. We want to do it. Don't we? Chandler says, well, I was looking forward to playing basketball, but I guess that's out the window. Now there, he's pointing to the fact that Monica has killed somebody by throwing a basketball out the window. And Ross says, okay, well, if you do take him out for his walk, you want to bring his hat, and there's extra milk in the fridge, and there's extra diapers in the bag. Joey says, hot, milk, got it. Ross can't even speak. He's he's going, throw up, I'll I'll throw, throw, A throw, throw. And Joey says, consider it done. And Chandler says, you understood that? And then Joey goes, yeah, my Uncle Sal has a really big tongue. And then Chandler says, is he the one with the beautiful wife? So if if you know what Chandler's getting at there, uh, if you've watched The Sopranos, they kind of dedicate an episode to that. Uh, All right, so... That was a classic scene, a really good scene. I think I knocked that scene out of the park. Uh, Now they're at Central Park. Rachel's cleaning up. She's working at Central Park at this point. Um, She's yet to make her meteoric ascent from a really, really bad waitress who does a terrible job to like king of the fashion world. And Phoebe says, Hey, Rach, want to hear the new song I'm thinking of singing this afternoon? I wrote it this morning in the shower. And Rachel says, okay. And so Phoebe goes... uh, I'm in the shower and I'm writing a song. Stop me if you've heard it. My skin is soapy and my hair is wet. And Tegrin spelled backwards is nugget. And Terry, because Gunther's not there at this point, says, uh, Rachel, sweetheart, can I see you for a minute? And Rachel says, yeah, what's up? And Terry goes, FYI, I've decided to pay a professional musician. Oh, it's this episode. So uh, Terry says, I've decided to pay a professional musician to play here uh, on Sunday afternoons. Her name is Stephanie something. She's supposed to be very good. And Rachel says, but what about Phoebe? And Terry says, it's not that your friend is bad. It's that she's so bad, she makes me want to put my finger through my eye into my brain and swirl it around. And Rachel says, okay, okay, so you're not a fan, but I mean, come on, you cannot do this to her. And Terry points at Rachel and as to be like, I'm not going to do it to her. And Rachel goes, no, 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 I have to do this to her. And Phoebe uh, is uh, singing, um, uh. leather, rinse, repeat, and leather, rinse, repeat, and leather, rinse, repeat, as needed. Um. And uh, that's the end of that scene. So, all right, the next scene, they're in the street, and Joey and Chandler, uh, they are, they've got everything. It's like that scene in, uh, in Wild with Reese Witherspoon, is, which is not a bad movie, uh, where she's got that huge pack. So they're walking around with all the baby stuff, and they've got Ben. And Chandler says, you know, I don't think we brought enough stuff. Uh, he's using sarcasm here. He says, did you, uh, do you think we forgot to pack the baby's anvil? And Joey, because he's thinking about his dick, says, it's going to be worth it. It's a known fact that women love babies, all right? Women love guys who love babies. It's the whole sensitive thing. Quick, aim him at that pack of babes over there. Fucking Christ, Joey. Uh, Maybe one of them will break away. No, no, wait. Forget them. We got one hard left. Give me the baby. Uh, I don't even understand that. And Chandler says, no, I got him. And Joey says, no, seriously. And Chandler says, oh, seriously, you want him? And a woman comes over and says, hello. And Chandler and Joey say, hello, because that's the kind of game they have. And the woman says, who is this little cutie pie? And Chandler, of course, suggests that that she's talking about himself. And Joey asks, you want to smell him? And the woman says, I assume we're talking about the baby now. And Joey says, oh, yeah, he's got that great baby smell. Get a whiff of his head. So she smells his head, and she says, I think my uterus just skipped a beat. This woman, there, there were a lot of characters that kind of went in and out on friends, especially female characters. This woman is sharp as a tack. They should have kept her around. She's like, she's not Mona, but, but she was good. Um, and uh, so Joey says to Chandler, what did I tell you? What did I tell you? And the woman says, "I think it's great that you guys are doing this." And uh, here's where some of that casual homophobia is going to creep up into into Friends. And Chandler says, "Well, we are great guys." And the woman says, "You know, my brother and his boyfriend have been trying to adopt for three years. What agency did you go through?" And now the joke there. Well, actually, I don't even think that's that's homophobic. To be honest, like there were some genuinely horrible homophobic moments in Friends, but I actually probably can't go after them for it. It's Just more that they were trying to pick up a woman by doing this and they unsuccessfully did it because the woman thought that they were gay that doesn't make any of those characters homophobic so apologize that i that earlier on i said that this featured homophobia because i knew there was a scene where they were mistaken for gay but that friends i'll, I'll give you the pass on that that was uh, that was not homophobic uh all right next scene they're in central perk and rachel's just told phoebe that she can't play anymore And Phoebe says, but this is my gig. This is where I play. My name is written out there in chalk. You know, you can't just erase chalk. And Rachel says, honey, I'm sorry. And Phoebe says, and he's going to pay this woman? Why doesn't he just give her like a throne and a crown and like a, you know, gold stick with a ball on top? And Rachel says, Terry is a jerk, okay? That's why we're always saying Terry's a jerk. That's where that came from. And Phoebe says, yeah, okay. You probably did everything you could. So Rachel says okay, you know what? Let me, let me just see what I can do. And she goes, she goes back over to Terry and says, all right, look, look, why don't you just let her go on after Stephanie, whatever her name is. I mean, you won't even be here. You don't pay her. It's not going to cost you anything. And Terry says, I I don't know. And Rach says, come on, Terry. I'll even, I'll fuck you. <laughs> no, she's uh, making sure you're paying attention. Uh, she says, come on, Terry. I'll even clean the cappuccino machine. And Terry says, you don't clean the cappuccino machine? Now, this is playing up what a bad waitress Rachel is. I mean, that she just wasn't interested in doing that shit. I mean, it's like I, I wasn't the, the best student until I started taking classes that I like. So I can give her kind of a pass there. So Rachel, of course, she's bullshit. She says, of course I clean it. I mean, I, I will clean it. I mean, like, fucking clean it. And Terry says, okay. So he lets... Phoebe do that ridiculousness so Rachel goes back over to Phoebe and says done and Phoebe says really and Rachel says yeah who's working for you babe and Phoebe says oh my god this is so exciting how much am I gonna get uh-uh. and Rachel says what and she says well you said that he's paying people who are playing and Rachel says oh no no no. I mean that he's gonna be paying that other woman because she's a professional and now she just dissed Phoebe so Phoebe's about to clap back I think uh yeah she does she says well i'm not going to be the only one who's not getting paid and rachel says but phoebes and phoebe says no 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 no. i'm sorry i'm I'm not some like sloppy second charity band you know there are thousands of places in the city where people would be happy to pay to hear me play and then they cut outside and phoebe's outside playing in front of central perk and phoebe's uh Saying, uh, I don't have the guitar anymore. I put it down, so I'm not going to pick it up. She says, uh, When I play, I play free. I don't need your charity. And then someone puts a coin in her case and she says, Thank you. And she starts doing her la la la's. Uh, now they cut to the hospital. Monica and Ross, they're waiting for the doctor. And Ross says, Well, there's no way I'm going to get a shot. Maybe they can take the needle and thwart it into my mouth, you know, like a thwart gun. And the doctor says, Hello there, I'm Dr. Carlin. I see somebody's having an allergic reaction. And Monica says, Doctor, can I see you for just a minute? My brother has a slight phobia about needles. And uh, if you keep watching the series, I have a slight phobia uh, of gay people. And Ross says to Monica, uh, did you tell him about my squirt gun idea? And Monica says, my brother at the PhD would like to know if there's any way to treat this orally. And the doctor says, no, under these circumstances, it has to be an injection, and it has to be now. And Ross says, though? And Monica shakes her head, and he says, oh. So Monica says, that's good. Have a seat. Um, The doctor says it's going to be a needle. You just have to be brave, okay? Can you do that for me? And Ross says, okay. And Monica says, oh, okay. Oh, boy. You are doing so good. Want to squeeze my hand? And Ross says, yeah, yes. Uh, So Monica says, okay, he grabs her hand, and Monica says, all right, Ross, don't squeeze it so hard, honey, really don't squeeze it so hard, and the doctor puts in the needle, and Monica goes, oh, Ross, let go of my hand, Uh, and that was enough to, that that was like a walk-off line for that scene, apparently, so they cut back out to the street, Chandler and Joey, they're still trying to smash using a baby. And Chandler says, that's a good plan, Joe. Next time we want to pick up women, we should just go to the park and make out. Taxi. Ah, I knew that there would be some casual homophobia. There it is. Taxi, taxi. Uh, and Joey says, hey, hey, look at that talent. And he motions to two girls waiting for the bus. He's already called girls chicks and babes and talent. No, I think just babes and talent so far. But the night is young. I think he'll still get to chicks. Uh, and Chandler says to the taxi driver, just practicing. You're good. Carry on. And they start chasing after these women, uh, which is creepy. And Chandler says, wait, wait, wait. And Joey says, wait, wait. And they cut to them on the bus. And the first girl says, hey, you, he's just adorable. And Chandler says, okay, but you can tell him that because you, but can you tell him that because he thinks he's too pink. And the second girl says, so what are you guys doing out today? And Joey says, oh, no, we're not out. No, no, we're just two heterosexual guys hanging with uh, the son of our other heterosexual friend doing the usual straight guy stuff. So uh, why did I doubt this was going to take some, some casual homophobic turns? I knew that it was going to get there. Every episode of Friends finds its way there, this one especially. And then, of course, as we've discussed in this podcast, the one where Joey is doing the, the ballroom dancing. Uh, so Chandler says to Joey, you done? Thank you, Chandler, for, for kind of calling him out for the first time in the history of the series. And Joey says, yeah. So the first girl says, oh, there's our stop. And Joey, being a creep bag, says, get out of here. This is our stop, too. And the second girl says, you guys live around here, too? And Joey says, oh, yeah, sure. We live in the building by the uh, sidewalk. And Chandler says, you know it? And Joey says, hey, look, since we're neighbors and all, what do you say we uh, get together for a drink? And they get off the bus. And the first girl says, you want to go to Markel's? And Chandler says, oh, sure, they love us over there. And the second girl, being an adult, says, where's your baby? So then Chandler and Joey run after the bus, and they're screaming for Ben. And at this point, we hit our first commercial. Uh, I think the fact that I brought that up means that if you haven't yet, you might tune out at this point. But uh, whatever, we got the fucking click. Go fuck yourself. Uh, so now the scene, they're back on the street. Joey and, Joey and Chandler, are, are they're still running after the bus. Joey says, Ben! And Chandler says, oh, that's good. Maybe he'll hear you and pull the cord. And Chandler and Joey say, stop the bus. Wait, wait, wait. And they run around the corner. They see the bus is pulled away. Uh, this, by the way, may be one of the few times that uh, they're seen on a street that isn't that weird street that's outside of Central Park that you know doesn't exist. There's the scene where... Chandler chases after Kathy that might be the only other scene where they're on the street and it's not on that make-believe um, Street anyway, because they keep using that street for everything like when Ross gets the car and uh, When they get in the fight all these different times. They're out in that street. So uh, They're at the, mo- the hospital Monica and Ross are getting uh, Monica's hand looked at because Ross has now given Monica an injury and Monica says, "Are you sure you didn't break it? Because it really hurts." And the doctor says, "No, it's just a good bone bruise, and right here." And he points to the X-ray. Is the puncture wound from your ring? And Ross says, "Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm really, really sorry." Hey, hey, hey! I got my S's back. We can celebrate later. Celebrate! Now they're back outside Central Park, on that street that I just mentioned. And Phoebe's singing, and uh, she's singing about the double-jointed boy. That's a classic. And uh, the, the woman comes up with the guitar, and se- and Phoebe says, Hey, so uh, are you the professional guitar player? And she says, Yeah, I'm Stephanie. And S- Stephanie, uh, of course, is played by Chrissy Hind. That's Chrissy Hind from the band The Pretenders, who were excellent. Uh, except Chrissy Hind actually later got in trouble because she. Uh, she had some really, really not great comments about rape culture. Basically uh, said something to the effect of if you're drunk and, uh, and you're wearing high heels, then whose fault is it or something? Now, in that case, not not to discuss rape too much, but in that case, I might lean towards it being the rapist's fault. But anyway, yeah, so that, that's, that's, um, that's, uh, that's Chrissy Hind from The Pretenders, which was uh, a cool get at the time. So anyway, she's talking to Phoebe and Phoebe says, yeah, right. My name was on there and she's pointing to the sign and now it just says carrot cake. So um how many chords do you know? And Stephanie says all of them. And Phoebe says, "Oh yeah, so you know D?" And Stephanie says, "Yeah." She says, "Do you know A minor?" And Phoebe and Stephanie says, "Yeah." And Phoebe says, "Oh, do you know how to go from D to A minor?" Which is interesting because the song that she was playing earlier uh was in A major, but it was it used D. So based on what Phoebe was playing, you actually didn't know that Phoebe could play an A minor, which if she couldn't play an A minor, would... I can't use Pete's favorite R word here, but as guitar would go, that would make Phoebe a pretty, pretty bad guitarist. Um, So then, yeah, so Phoebe says, does your guitar have a strap? And Stephanie says, no. And Phoebe says, oh, mine does. And then she starts singing, like mocking Stephanie. So now they're back on the uh they're back on the the street chandler and joey they're at a payphone and chandler's on the phone he says come on pick up pick up hello transit authority yes hello i'm doing research for a book and i was wondering what someone might do if they left a baby on a bus yes i do realize that would be a very stupid character man you don't even know the half of it we're talking about chandler what a fucking stupid character for for david crane to put in there um so Joey grabs the phone. He says, hi, here's the deal. We lost a car seat on a bus today. It's white plastic with a handle, fits into a stroller, and there was a baby on it. And then he's listening, and he says he wants to talk to you again. He gives the phone back to Chandler. So now they're back at Central Perk. Uh, Rachel is introducing Stephanie, and Rachel says, okay, everybody, let's give a nice warm Central Perk to, and Phoebe's going, Terry's a jerk, and he won't let me work, and I hate Central Perk. And Rachel says uh, to Stephanie Schiffer, and they're doing all the golf claps and everything. And Stephanie says, Thank you. I'd like to start with a song that I wrote for the first man I ever loved. And she starts singing the song. And uh, Phoebe's screaming about how you're all invited to bite me. And uh, so now they cut back to to Chandler and Joey, those idiots. They're at the uh, Department of Health Services. And Chandler and Joey say, hi, we're the ones who called about the baby. We left the baby on the bus. Is he here? Is he here? And the health services guy says, he's here. And Chandler and Joey, they hug each other in relief. And he says, I'm assuming one of you is the father. And Chandler says, that's me. And Joey says, I'm him. And Chandler says, uh, actually, we're, we're both the father. And now at this point, they're embracing the, uh, the perfectly fine homosexual relationship that they could have been in uh, that they were scoffing at earlier. Um, So now they go to a back room, and Chandler and Joey, they're in there, and they run over to two different cribs, and they don't know which baby is which one. And Chandler says, "Uh, oh, Ben, hey, buddy. And Chandler goes, please tell me you know which one is our baby. And Joey says, well, the one that has ducks on his shirt, and then this one has clowns. And Ben was definitely wearing ducks. And Chandler goes, okay. And Joey goes, or clowns. Wait. That one's definitely Ben. Remember, he had this cute little mole by his mouth. And Chandler says, "Yeah." And Joey says, "Yeah." And Chandler says, "Hey, Ben, remember us?" Okay, the mole came off. And Joey goes, "Ah." And Chandler says, "What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do?" And Joey says, "Uh, we'll flip for it. Ducks or clowns." And Chandler says, "Oh, we're gonna flip for the baby." And Joey says, "You got a better idea." So Chandler goes, "All right, call it in the air." And Joey says, "Heads." Chandler says, "Heads, it is. Yes, woo." And Chandler goes. We have to assign heads to something. So Joey goes, all right, all right, okay. Ducks is heads because ducks have heads. And Chandler, again, classic line, says, what kind of scary-ass clowns came to your birthday? Now that is a good walk-off line for a scene. So now they cut to Central Park. Rachel's standing by the door looking at Phoebe and uh, counting her money. Uh, Phoebe, I should say, is counting the money. Stephanie's still playing. And she's uh, singing Angel of the Morning. And uh, Rachel goes outside and talks to Phoebe, she says, hey, and Phoebe says, oh, hi. And Rachel says, I thought you might be cold, and she gives her a cup of coffee, and Phoebe goes, thank you. And Rachel says, oh, look at you, you did pretty well. And Phoebe says, $8.20, but not really, because I put in the first two just to, you know, get the ball rolling and to make myself feel better. And Rachel says, do you? And Phoebe goes, no, this whole, like, playing for money thing is so not good for me. You know, I don't know, when I sang susu suicide I got a dollar seventy-five, but then Smelly Cat, I got twenty-five cents in a condom. You know, now I just feel really bad for Smelly Cat. And Rachel says, "Well, you know, honey, I don't think everybody gets Smelly Cat. You know, I mean, if all you've ever really had are healthy pets, then whoosh." She's doing the goes over her head gesture. And Phoebe says, "It's not even that. I used to do my songs because they make me happy, but now it's like it's all about the money." And Rachel says. Well, people missed you in there. And in fact, there was actually a request for Smelly Cat. And Phoebe says, Really? From who? And Rachel says, Well, from me. And I know it's not your Big Money song, but it's my favorite. A kid runs up. uh, And, oh, this is Giovanni Ribisi. I don't know if he's actually playing Frank Buffet, but it's Giovanni Ribisi. And he says, "Uh, Hi, uh, did I accidentally drop a condom in here? It's kind of an emergency. And Phoebe gives him the condom. And he goes, thanks a lot. And then he's run right away, you hear, Christine, I got it. And again, that's a pretty good walk-off line. Giovanni Urbisi, you played the original drummer in That Thing You Do. It's re- replaced by Guy Patterson because he broke his arm. What an asshole. All right, so uh, now the scene is Monica and Rachel's. Monica and Ross are sitting on the couch, and Ross says, I just want to thank you for being there for me today and I'm sorry I almost broke your hand. And Monica says, that's okay. I'm sorry I poisoned you. And Ross says, yeah, hey, remember the time I jammed that pencil into your hand? And Monica says, remember it? What do you think this is, a freckle? And she points to her hand and Ross goes, oh. And Monica says, wait, what about that time I hit you in the face uh, with the Sylvian's pumpkin? And Ross goes, oh man, oh, I remember uh, when I stuck that broom in your bike spokes and you flipped off and you uh, flipped over and hit your head on the curb. And Monica says, I remember people telling me about it. That's some concussion humor they're playing up right now. And uh, Ross says, I hope Ben has a little sister. And Monica says, Yeah, I hope she can kick his ass. And Ross says, I'm going to go get a new Band-Aid. Hey, how about the time I cut the legs off of your Malibu Ken? And Monica says, That was you? And Ross says, Uh, they were infected. He wouldn't have made it. So now... Uh, Chandler and Joey come in with a baby who they can only hope is Ben. And Monica says, Oh, my little nephew. Come here, little one. That's my little baby, Ben. Hey, my little boy. And she picks him up and she says, Hey, he's not crying. And now Chandler at this point is terrified and he says, Hey, he's not crying. And then Ben starts to cry. And Joey goes, Yes. And then Monica looks at him and Joey plays it off and he goes, There's still pie. And Ross says, I'm here. How's my little boy? Want dad to change your diaper? So did you have fun with Uncle Joey and Uncle Chandler today? And Joey says, oh, yeah, he rode the bus today. And Ross goes, oh, big boy riding the bus. Hey, I have a question. How come it says property of human services on his butt? And Chandler says, you, you are going to love this. And Ross says to Monica, will you hold Ben for a second? And then he gives Ben uh, to Monica and he starts to chase Joey and Chandler. He says, come here, come here. And Chandler uh, picks up the pie and says, stay back, I've got Kiwi, run Joey, run! And then that's uh, the closing credits, and then for the last little scene, they're back at Central Park, and Phoebe's uh, teaching Stephanie how to play Smelly Cat, and uh, she's teaching her the lyrics, and uh, Stephanie's uh, doing, Smelly Cat, Smelly Cat, and Phoebe going, no, 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 I'm sorry, it's Smelly Cat, Smelly Cat, and Stephanie does the Smelly Cat. And Phoebe goes, better, yeah. And Stephanie goes, yeah. And she says, yeah, much better. And, you know, don't feel bad because it's a hard song. And Stephanie says, yeah, you want to try again? And Steph- uh, Phoebe says, yeah, you want to try again? And Stephanie says, yeah, from the top. And Phoebe says, oh, there is no top. See That's the beauty of Smelly Cat. Uh, why don't you just follow me? And Stephanie says, okay. And Phoebe says, mm-hmm. And then they start to play uh, Smelly Cat together. And then Stephanie starts kind of uh, improvising. And Phoebe says, that's too much. Sorry. And uh, then that's the end of that episode. So, uh, yeah, that is Friends Season 2, Episode 6, I believe. The one with the baby on the bus.